Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a great day today. I am sitting in my Clover Blue Gray office drinking a cup of coffee out of a brand new coffee cup that my friend made me. Miss Becky made me one. It says, Pastor Mike on one side and the other side says, help, I'm preaching and I can't shut up. (laughs) How applicable is that? Well, I need to shut up and get to it today. We've got a lot of things I need to cover today, so we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. If you're driving, just listen, but we're going to dig into this. Now, as you know, over the last few weeks, we've been examining a, a, a few healing stories in the Bible. We've been presented with the truth about the miracles of Jesus. We've learned that when Jesus performed a miracle, when he did something extraordinary, like healing someone, there's always a, a reason other than just performing a miracle. He didn't perform miracles just to help people. He did. He, it did help them, but that was not the only purpose or even the primary purpose for the miracle. You see, there's There's always a lesson to be learned in every miracle of Jesus. When Jesus performed a miracle, there was always a motive. There was always a reason. So he pointed to the Father. He he made his point, but he, he proved his divinity. He taught a lesson. You know, there's lots of reasons. But every time he performed a miracle, there was there was um motives for doing so. Now, miracles are not about what we want. They're about pointing to God and 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 pointing to Jesus as the Son of God. So those were the reasons, the main reasons he performed miracles. The story we're going to see today is really no different. So follow along as I'm reading, or just listen, as I'm reading Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. When Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. In that evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now, let's add this some context to this. This is also mentioned in Mark's gospel and in Luke's gospel as well. In Mark's gospel, we're told that he was doing right before this visit. It says in Mark one twenty five, Jesus immediately left the synagogue. Now we're also told in Mark's account that Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So it wasn't just him. Now in, in Luke's account, in Luke chapter 4, the people in the house appealed to Jesus on the mother-in-law's behalf. Jesus didn't just walk in and find her. There was some reason he was there. And Luke says that Jesus stood over her and rebuked the fever. He also says that Jesus laid his hands on every one of the sick and possessed people in that town and healed them. So in that account, we find out that the demons also came out of some of these people and started proclaiming, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them. He wouldn't allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ and he was not ready for that to be made known yet on such a large scale. 
So now knowing every detail that, that we can know about this account, let's put the story into one stream of information. There were events between the healing of the centurion's servant and this story. One such event was Jesus casting out demons from a man in the synagogue. We know that Jesus then immediately left that synagogue, went to Simon and Andrew's house with James and John, and the people in that house appealed to him to heal Simon's mother-in-law. Well, Jesus agreed, and he stood over Peter's mother-in-law. He held her hand, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. She then stood up and began to serve them. Well, I guess word of this miracle must have spread because that evening the people of the city came to the door and brought all their sick and possessed to Jesus. And Jesus touched every single one of them. And he healed them of their diseases and cast out the demons in their from their bodies, those who had demonic um, had demonic possessions, right? So the, the demons, as, as they were being expelled, tried to identify Jesus, but Jesus would not allow the demons to tell the people who he was. So by performing these miracles, Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. Now we have the full picture of this event. So let's look at some of the points of this passage. Number one, Jesus made ministry personal. Jesus made ministry personal. Jesus left the synagogue to go to a friend's house. He went from a large group teaching to a small group setting and then to one-on-one -on -one ministry. Look at verses 14 and 15 again. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever and he touched her hand and the fever left her and she rose and began to serve him. Jesus was not content with, with just being with large crowds. He saw value in spending personal time with people. So he spent a lot of personal time with people. Look at, look at his life. There were times when he spoke and enjoyed and ministered to large crowds like, like the Sermon on the Mount, like the feeding of the 5,000 or even the triumphal entry. But there's also times when he spent personal time with people. I think of the woman of the well, the the night visit with the Pharisee, the, the encounter with the rich young ruler, even the restoration of, of Peter. So Jesus made ministry personal. Every healing was personal. Every dispossession was personal. Uh, each, each had an impact on a lot of folks, but the encounter was a personal one. Secondly, Jesus healed humanity's diseases. Look at verse 16 again. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. So remember remember Luke's version of this story. He laid hands on every one of them, and, and of the, the sick ones and the possessed ones. Everyone in that town that had that, he healed them. Now, why did he, why did he heal them? Remember that he, he does this to prove that he is God's son, to prove that God could restore people. And soon, soon he's going to teach them that he could restore not only physical health, but spiritual health as well. You see, Jesus, Jesus had the power to forgive sins. You have, you have to see this. Turn to Mark chapter 2, verse 5, if you have your Bible. Okay, so some men brought a paralytic to Jesus. He, Jesus was teaching in a house. And people were put in there and they were gathered at the door. There's no way anyone else could get in there. It was extremely crowded. And they couldn't take this man, this paralytic man, to Jesus. So the men carrying him tore away part of the roof and lowered the man down to Jesus. Now pick up at verse 5 of Mark chapter 2. 
And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 8, And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to a paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? Verse 10, this is the key one. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose immediately. He picked up his bed and went out before all of them so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. So he got their attention with physical healing. And then he hit them with the truth that he had the authority to forgive sin. He could offer them spiritual healing. Remember, every miracle points to one of two things or possibly both. There is a God and Jesus is his son. Jesus healed humanity's diseases that night, right there in Peter's house, for the reason of proving that he was the Son of God. The third point of the passage is that Jesus dealt with demons. Now, Jesus had experience with this. He ordered Satan. He ordered the demons out of the heaven. He was tempted by Satan, the chief of demons in the wilderness. He was present when Satan asked to test Job. He had come face to face with demons before. So in verse 16, when it says they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, it was not a total shock to him. He wasn't wide-eyed. He wasn't shaking in his sandals. He didn't have to change his robes. He never thought, not again. Come on, man. Not not demons again. He, He dealt with these guys before. In fact, while he was here, Jesus had to deal with them quite often. At least, at least 10 times in the gospels, he dealt with the demonic. There was the temptation in the desert when when Satan was tempting him. There was this situation where a possessed man was in the synagogue and he had to deal with those demons. A possessed man in the graveyard approached him and he cast those demons into the pigs. Remember that story? He drove out demons out of a mute man and the Pharisees, remember, the Pharisees accused him of driving out demons by the power of demons. What a ridiculous argument. Well, there's this account in, in, in Luke's account and in Matthew's account where Jesus rebuked demons. There's, there's the event when the disciples were unable to drive out a demon from a, from a young man, and Jesus did that. There was the, the casting out of the demons from the Greek woman's daughter. And then there's the story of Mary Magdalene. He did the same for her. And Jesus warned Peter that Satan was was requesting to sift him like wheat. Remember that story? And then there was this indirect story of Jesus sending his disciples out into the community to, to have authority over demons. Remember that? So Jesus dealt with demons. He knew what that was like. He was not scared. He he was not shaken. He dealt with them before. The fourth point of the passage is that Jesus performed to fulfill prophecy. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. That's what, that's what it says. Again, remember what we've learned over the last few weeks about the miracles of Jesus. He performed it either to glorify God or to prove that he was God's son. If he were to fulfill all the prophecies of the Messiah, that would make him the Messiah, right? 
Well, who else is going to fulfill these prophecies? Jesus had to fulfill every one of them. Well, what was the prophecy about these healing miracles? Listen to Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That word grief is the word koli, or actually holy. Be careful when you're standing someone, standing beside one who's, who speaks this language. There's a lot of spitting going on. Well, holy means a depressive sickness. And the word sorrows in that prophecy is makava. It means mental or physical pain. So the Old Testament prophet Isaiah said that Jesus would take away our sicknesses, take away our pain, both physical and emotional. And Jesus did this in this story. He healed them of their diseases and he cast out the demons that, afflict, that afflicted them and caused them harm. Jesus performed to fulfill prophecy. Now, let's look at some application. And this is some big points of application here. You've got to catch this. Number one. You can personally minister to others away from the church house. Jesus did some of uh, his best work in the synagogues, but he did a lot of it outside in smaller groups with people. Now, our campus, our campus is a great place to minister to, to one another, isn't it? We, we do that. We frequently pray and, and provide and encourage and fellowship with, with fellow believers in this building. But we should, we should carry those efforts to other places as well. We learned last year in studying the Sermon on the Mount that we are intended to be light. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus says that we're not just the light in the church, but we're a light to the world. Ministry is never meant to be confined to the church house. We must get out there and be light. You can personally minister to others away from the church house. But secondly, you can boldly encounter sickness in order to help the suffering. Jesus, Jesus held hands with the infirmed. He touched the disease. He was not afraid. He knew that his life was in God's hand. He had a, a beginning day and a last day assigned to him by God. Catch this. This is so important. God has ultimate control over our lives. And as long as we're doing the will of the Father, nothing Nothing can stop us without his consent until the appointed day, the appointed time of our departure. Listen to Deuteronomy. See now that I, even I, am he, and there's no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal, and there's none that can deliver out of my hand. That's in Deuteronomy. Remember that the devil asked if he could have Job. He asked if he could have Peter. No one lives or dies and no one even suffers with sickness or pain unless God sees benefit in it. Jesus knew the authority of God. So Jesus touched dirty skin. He touched leprous skin. He was not afraid to touch and speak with people closely, right? So in our time, we've forgotten this. You see, the devil was allowed to slow the spreading of the gospel over the last few years. We were forced into a situation where we were commanded to slow the spreading of a disease, and really it slowed the spreading of the gospel. COVID nearly stopped all of the short-term mission efforts in the church. The church forgot that God had the power over disease, even today. 
Even today, there are Christians still so scared of contracting COVID that they refuse to minister to the sick. Now, there's there's something to be said about putting God to the test by, by pridefully ignoring warnings and practices. I understand that. We should be cautious. But to allow fear to keep us from finding a way to minister to the sick is wrong. It's sin. Jesus could have healed everyone in that city the same way he healed the centurion servant from afar. He, but he didn't. I wonder why. Could it be that, that he was showing us that we can boldly encounter sickness in order to help the suffering and God would protect us? Put some thought into that. Third application is you can encounter and defeat the demonic. I know that scares you. It scares me sometimes. But you have you've already encountered it. We, we may not even know or, or be aware that we are encountering on a daily basis. You see, by definition, the demonic is something that acts according to the will of demons. Listen to Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Sin, sin is, is our choice, yes, but it's often spurred on by the power of Satan. It's often, you know, encouraged by the minions of Satan. According to Ephesians 2, 2, the spirit of sin is demonic. So think about it. Think about it. In the Bible, God limits sex to the relationship between one man and one woman. So any, any sexual perversion outside these boundaries is demonic. I'm, I'm just going to be real honest with you today. Gay pride parades and non-heterosexual indoctrination in entertainment, those outlets are demonic. And pride comes before a fall. Additionally, God formed babies in the mother's womb, so the, the murder of the unborn is, a, is demonic. In, in South Carolina, ours, our conservative state politicians refuse to pass, to, to pass any anti-abortion bills. And our conservative state Supreme Court recently deemed that the heartbeat bill is unconstitutional. We are one of the, the most liberal states in the country when it comes to abortion. South Carolina is rapidly becoming synonymous with the demonic. God told us to multiply, to fill the earth, so population control is demonic. The World Economic Forum, which our newly elected Speaker of the House He's a member of this. That is demonic. Is he going to fight that agenda? Well, of course not. He, he agrees with it. But well, the new world order will be comprised of one government and one leader. So the Great Reset is demonic because the world's chopping at the bits for a major change. And they don't know that this reset, they don't know this reset will, will cause the avenue that the Antichrist is going to rise up in power in. Friend, listen to me. You are encountering the demonic in real time. It's all around you. It's imposing its will on you. It wants you to accept the perversion, kill the innocent, and destroy the nationalism that's that's caused us to, to be so special. Demons are pushing us. You, 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 don't, you don't need to acknowledge God. Move your faith in and your, and your dependence on an all-knowing God to a man-made government. A man-made government, which, by the way, is made up of worldly, sin-saturated people. Your politicians know what's best for you and your children. Demons are pushing that message. 
You've been taught that you were not created. You've been told that you must embrace your creative power. So now feel free to mutilate your bodies, to recreate yourself into whatever you want to be, another gender or whatever species you want to be. Like the, the furries that in our country, these students who are carrying litter boxes to classes, wearing tails and ears and refusing to be human. The culture says, be whatever you want to be. Be your own creator. All over this country, all over this country, young men's bodies and minds are wearing out. They're not well, performing anymore. And that's because of all the sexual stimuli that they are viewing. Take the pill. It'll fix that. It'll help you keep going. And the biggest lie of our century, as long as I'm ticking people off a day, might as well just get everybody. Your immune system is simply not adequate. You are going to die. Take this untested shot. See these and, and, and accept these, these useless boosters and these synthetic supplements. That'll keep you healthy. Trust the science. And the same science, by the way, that has rejected the truth that there is a God. Listen, listen, friend, you are encountering the demonic every day, but you can defeat it. You might not defeat it in society, but you'll defeat it in you. You probably can't fix an insane culture, but but you can keep from becoming part of the insanity. Hey, hey, listen, the demonic can be defeated. It is defeated every time you stand up for righteousness. Every time you overcome temptation, every time you you inject the gospel into the culture that's dying from the disease of sin. You can and will encounter and defeat the demonic. It is powerful. Oh yeah, it is powerful, but it has no power over you. If you're walking with God every day, it has no power over you. Listen to 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And I'll talk about the demonic more in a, in a few weeks. Listen, one final application. You can fulfill prophecy. Did you know there's, there's a prophecy about us? The church has a prophetic presence in scriptures. Listen to Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Just as the Bible says Jesus performed miracles in order to fulfill prophecies, he's going to... he's. He's going to allow us to go to the nations and, and it will be it will be said of us. They did this to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord Jesus. Jesus said to go into all the world with the gospel. Jesus said that this will be done before the end. This has to happen. Jesus prophesied it would. Now, are you going to do it? Or are you going to let someone else fulfill your responsibility? We must take the gospel to Clover, to South Carolina, to the United States, and around the world. I hope we meet that challenge head on. It's our turn to fulfill our destiny, to be done in our time. We can fulfill the prophecy. and We can do it in our homes, and in our neighborhoods, and in our jobs, in our schools, and in our affinity groups. We can fulfill prophecy. By volunteering to go on a, a mission adventure the next time it's offered. We can send some people. We can find opportunities to go ourselves. We can fulfill prophecy. Now, I told you that this was more than just a healing encounter. So much more in this to, to teach us. You can and should personally minister to others away from the church house.
You can boldly encounter sickness in order to help the suffering. You can encounter and defeat the demonic. And you can fulfill prophecy. So what do you think? you something. Knowing that you have the perfect example in Christ and the perfect power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, are you going to do it? Are you going to make ministry personal? Are you going to minister to people with diseases? Are you going to deal with the demonic when, when they, they're ugly heads? Are you going to fulfill the prophecy concerning you, the church? I hope so. I hope so. I told you I had a lot to tell you today, and I'd be glad to open an online conversation with you anytime. Just email me at mike at fbcclover.com, and we can discuss any topic that you want. Well, let me pray for you, and then I'm going to cut you loose today. Father, I thank you for those who are listening, and I thank you that they endured to the end of this, and they have been challenged. They've been challenged by this because I have. I know that I have. Father, I'm asking that you would make us into exactly what you want us to be and that we would overcome, overcome these things, these things that are distracting us and taking us away from you. Father, I'm asking that that you would allow us to take the gospel to the world so that the world will know that Jesus is your son. And if you choose to heal people in our presence, that's that's awesome. We will we will revel in that. We will we will glorify you in that. If you choose to heal people abroad to, to bring that same message, we'll revel in that too. But Father, help us to do our part to fulfill our responsibility of what's prophesied of us, and we'll give you glory for it. Thank you, Father. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you have a great day. Remember. If you're walking with God, nothing can stop that until God deems it's time. Remember, God is very much pro-you. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.